Welcome to Market Scale Hospitality. I'm Sean Heath, and today I have the pleasure of having a conversation with Glenn Hausman. He is, of course, the founder of At Traveling Glenn, and he is also responsible for Rouse Media. Glenn, how are you today? Great. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thanks for asking. I have to say, I'm very excited because you have an encyclopedic knowledge. I know that you take notes every time you go someplace as a, as a journalist. Sure. Well, let's say I take notes. Yeah, totally. Yeah, let's go with that. I'm really excited because you've been a lot of places and you've seen the entire spectrum of what travel can be and what it really should never be. So first, tell me about how did you get into being a hotel journalist, what was the impetus that sort of pushed you in that direction in the first place? Well, um, simply enough, it was all completely accidental. I used to be as a music and entertainment writer. I used to um, be in the world of video music production as well, where I ran, where I uh, managed a, uh, an agency that created all the hip hop videos in the late 1990s for Bad Boy Entertainment and stuff. And over time, I realized that I do not like celebrities. But I liked the fact that I always got to meet them in amazing hotels. And I said, hey, I got to get on this uh, this business of hanging out in hotels and eating all that great food. So I kind of forced my way into the business because I love I loved what hotels and travel was all about. So you started uh, right around the same time that I was coming into the business world. So right around the early 90s. And mm-hmm. do you remember your first professional trip, the first trip you were actually able to invoice. Do you remember that? Uh, I was working full-time at a hospitality publication because, um, you know, I was in my mid-20s. My first trip ever, and this was a great one, Atlanta, the 1996 Olympic Games. How cool is that for your first professional business trip? Well, that's a that's an awful lot of information for you to have to parse in your first official gig. Uh, did you, was there a particular venue at the time that you really thought, oh, I've got to get in to do this? Or was there something you stumbled into that was much more exciting than you anticipated? Uh, no, honestly, I was just, um, I was just starstruck at the whole experience whatsoever. I couldn't believe that um, I got invited to go visit what was a brand new hotel at the time. Um, down there. I think it was an extended stay type of a property, which is very far ahead of its time. And um, just to have that whole experience, take the property tour, really start to learn about the uh, the business from the development and ownership perspective of the hospitality industry, and then getting to go see um, a lot of track and field events and some other fun events. It was just overall a whole lot of input and pretty exciting to be a part of. How did those opportunities mesh with what you had studied for or what you, what did you think you were going to do when you graduated college? I had no idea what I was going to do when I graduated college. I kind of fumbled my way through the entire thing. So it worked out fine. (laughs) You know, I kind of just stumbled, I just stumbled into the whole writing thing and everything just really, like I said, at the top of this, just accidentally, I had no preconceived notions about what I wanted to do with my life. If you would have asked 20 year old Glenn that, you know, where you'd be today, it would be nowhere near what I'm doing now. Do you think that you looked at it from a certain perspective? Were you looking at it from the eyes of a traveler or were you looking at it more objectively and not so much as reporting the experience? I'd say, to be honest, I was probably a reflection of whatever I was told. I didn't bring any critical thinking to it at the beginning. So I wouldn't know what questions to ask. I would take anything a particular interviewee was telling me is sacrosanct. I didn't put any detailed thought behind it. So 
what wound up happening was over the years, I realized that just because I was told something doesn't mean it was true or an accurate reflection of what was happening out there in the industry. And from that point on, I just kind of changed the way I did things. I think that's probably a dichotomy that a lot of travel journalists run into. Right. And that they find themselves torn between talking about the travel and being an actual journalist. There's a difference between being a reporter and being a journalist. They're not the same thing. And have you found that you've sort of flexed your muscles a little bit and really established an identity uh, in the late 90s, you really started to to get your footing. How did you how did that change the way you looked at travel as a general rule? Um, I think what happened, I, I think what happened is that over time, I slowly started to change everything I did. It, at some point, and I, I got to say after um, I got those 10,000 hours that Malcolm Gladwell writes about in, in his books, for example, I think at that point when I felt I was an expert in the field, I was able to reinvent all of the rules of hospitality journalism to what I felt was right, not about what messages were being dictated to me or the publications that I worked for were instructing me to do. So you start creating your own set of guidelines. That's right. Your own set of rules and expectations, not just as a traveler, but as a journalist. And you, you sort of get your sea legs under you. Now you've got an industry that is going through some major changes, major, major upheavals in the early 2000s to today. What are the things that you have seen that have been just seismic events that really caught your attention over the past, let's say the past 10 years? Uh, let me start. I'll, I'll give you the past 10 years, but I think what's more important is the uh, seismic shift that happened about 20 years ago in the hospitality industry. Okay, great. It's when everything started together to create the modern hotel business that we see today. The incredible explosion of select service hotels after the birth of uh, proper, you know, brands such as Courtyard by Marriott, Holiday Inn Express. They transformed the entire business to such an extent that it set the framework for all of the success and all the incredible experiences that owners have and that customers have right now, when, especially when traveling around the United States. Okay. They were trying to differentiate a little bit or create a different strata of experience. But I think there's a little bit of a danger in trying to be everything to everybody because I think that dilutes the power that a, a hospitality company can have. Have you seen companies that have suffered from trying to be too many things to too many people? And on the other side, have you seen companies that have really been able to excel at that? Yeah, I, I think that uh, to agree completely with what you're saying, when you try to be everything to everyone, you wind up being nothing to everybody, right? Because you, it's impossible to appeal to everybody by having the lowest common denominator. So while there are major hotel brands that do, I think, a great job at trying to appeal towards a large segment of the population, and again, I go back to that Courtyard by Marriott or Hampton Inn, for example, which is really the first ever select service hotel um, they, that, that debuted. Um, those do a great job, but as people become more sophisticated, as the industry becomes more sophisticated, we're seeing it toward, sort of fragment ever more towards uh, smaller and smaller slivers that appeal towards a more refined, honed group of individuals. It's kind of like the magazine business. There used to just be Time Magazine, Life Magazine, and a couple of others. And then time went on, and before you knew it, 
You had magazines focused on cats, model magazines focused on model railroading, magazines focused on absolutely anything that you think of. And that's exactly what's happened within the hospitality field. You know, one of the biggest challenges and one of the biggest benefits for the hospitality industry, I think, has been the incredible growth of technology over the last 10 or 15 years. Um, from the room management side to the site uh, data information, room information, all of this live knowledge, digital signage. Uh, there are so many massive chains that, that have taken place. And I think operators become pretty well versed in hearing about the latest and greatest, the newest widget, the newest gadget. But is there's a definite danger in becoming too tech focused and not remembering who brought you to the dance, so to speak. Ultimately, it's about making your guests comfortable as much as possible. Do you see a struggle with companies trying to get out of the way of technology? It's not necessarily that I see it as a struggle of companies trying to get out of the way of technology. It's a matter of as technology continues to approach and be a critical part of the hospitality industry, we must remember that person-to-person -person interactions are really what makes it the defining difference within the hospitality experience. Um, yeah, sure, we like the idea of automated check-in and a lot of these other inconveniences created by the, uh, the incredible wide-scale growth of technology. But at the same time, it sets up that danger zone where we're going to lose contact with the people that matter most, our guests, the ones that are helping pay our bills, the ones whose memories were supposed to be there to help create. So as a traveler with a journalistic eye, what's the biggest deal breaker for you? What would be the one failure that a property or a B&B, or a boutique hotel, what's the one thing they absolutely can never do if they ever want you to come back? Hey, you got to have a clean room. <laughs> Simple as that. Um, we take it for granted. So many hoteliers do such a great job at doing that. The whole idea of uh, a clean, comfortable room is sacrosanct. And if you can't get that right, well, there's no point in even being in business. Right. I mean, you can always go eat somewhere else if the hotel restaurant's not great. That's right. But the place you're sleeping is kind of a finite good. It's it's a determined location. Oh, yeah. Do you need to have a TV that you can talk to or a robot that can bring you a you know toothpaste that you forgot? Are those those are neat, but they're not necessary. Yeah, they they are unnecessary. The idea of the robot, it's cute. I mean, it's fun. It gets you headlines. It's terrific. But over the long term, as more and more, more hotels have that, then it's going to be meaningless, right? It's not going to change your opinion of the property. When you think about all the experiences that you have, think about all the traveling you've done. You don't say, wow, I really love that hotel because it had a great lamp in it or because the TV was 50 inches as opposed to 47. You ha it all comes back to those meaningful one-on-one -on -one interpersonal relationships that you develop with the folks that are on property. That, to me, is so essential, so important, so critical going forward. So we talk about a clean room being a deal breaker. What's a neat gadget or moment that surprised you recently that you walked into a space and what's the last thing that caught you off guard that you thought, oh, wow, that's a good idea? You know, that's a really good question. Again, I think um, it's hard for hoteliers to introduce new things that are really super exciting, super different. It's just a matter of making sure that you, you master the, the basics. But to me, 
again, it goes back to people. I know we're talking a lot about technology, but if you could empower technology to deliver better experiences through people, that to me is the wow. That is the winning combination. That's like when I check into a front desk and people say, Glenn, so great to have you back today. Share something um, personal that's geared specifically towards my preferences. Give me the opportunities to experience the property in the way that I want to experience it. Then you've got the winning conversation. It, it sounds like the best way to leverage technology would be to have it handle all of the mundane tasks, which would then leave the hotel staff to perform all the interpersonal tasks. That seems like the perfect dividing line between those two jobs. Right. Yeah, I think you're, uh, you're absolutely right. That's a great observation. As someone who has logged a few air miles, give me your one travel hack. What's the one thing that you do that makes you feel really clever every time you have to go to the airport? Um, I don't know. If, it's a matter of creating um, systems um, over and over again. So I wouldn't say it's a hack as much as um, understanding what your needs are, what makes you comfortable and developing the system so you always feel comfortable. For example, um, this is so basic and so silly and so stupid, it's almost worth not mentioning, but I always park my car at the same lot. I like the people there. They take me to the uh, they, they take me to the terminal. They pick me up. They take me back to my car. So I always take my, the, the receipt that I get from them to claim my car, and I put it in exactly the same place every time. So that way I don't have to look for it. I don't have to worry about it. I always know exactly the type of stuff that I'm packing in my bag. I have all of these systems in place so that no matter where I'm going in the world, no matter how long the trip is, everything is always the same. It's calming. It's more relaxing. And the other travel hack that I think is most important, go with the flow. It's out of your control. Don't worry about it. You are going to get there. Let's remember that flying across the world to anywhere is an amazing technological achievement. And if you have to get stuck drinking at the bar for a couple extra hours because the flight's late, so be it. Calm down, relax. At least we're all safe. So I'm definitely on board with you. On the I'm on the same team. I like to have procedures in place, and I don't love alterations to my schedule. Tell me about the last time that you showed up someplace and your plans were blown to smithereens, but the outcome actually turned out better than you had originally planned because of your desire and your willingness to go with the flow. Because I know that must happen to you about 20 to 30% of the time. You must just get someplace and nothing goes the way that you planned it. Uh, I wouldn't say nothing goes the way that I planned it. It's mostly um, an airport travel issue. Typically, when I get to the hotel level of, of things, everything is um, absolutely terrific. I think I've been super lucky. I'm a guy that travels 80 or 100 nights um, every single year. So um, again, it's just uh, it's just about when things happen, you got to roll with the punches. You gotta you you've got to not take it too seriously. Never get angry at the experience. It's only going to ruin your time. Go, you know, flip that coin. Take a look at the opportunity that presents you. The um, If my hotel room isn't ready after uh, I'm traveling all night and I'm completely exhausted, what good is it going to be for me to freak out and yell at somebody? You know what? I leave, their, I leave my baggage. I'll go drink a big cup of coffee. Go try to find some fun. Go try to find some trouble. Go try to find some have great experiences in whatever exciting city I happen to be. I always like to ask 
people who are knowledgeable in the hospitality industry or who've seen quite a bit of the world, I always like to ask this as the final question. Tell me the last man-made thing that has given you the most pause, the thing that has just left you slack-jawed, and then tell me about a natural thing you saw that also brought about that sense of wonder. All right. I think um, as far as a man-made creation, I would say absolutely unequivocally going into the middle of the Mongolian steppe desert, going over um, you know, a hilltop and seeing and then getting to experience a 120-foot tall, maybe it was taller, it was the size of the Statue of Liberty, a statue of Genghis Khan on horseback in the middle of nowhere Mongolia, which was absolutely incredible. So that made me go, wow, I can't believe this. Of course, you know, you've got the, the, the traditional ones. Great Wall of China was absolutely amazing. I just happened to um, be at the uh, Eiffel Tower a couple of weeks ago, and I'm thinking to myself about how incredible this must have been when it first debuted in the late 1800s because it's so uh, imposing over the entire uh, area of, 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 the, of there. And I think as far as the natural stuff goes, there's so many beautiful places in the world that it's really hard to, uh, to change things. But one thing that really stuck with me was the first time I ever went to a bioluminescent lake. Just being able to see life that was glowing, to put your hands in and your hand sparkles and the water drips down and so does the, so does the, the bioluminescent creatures. And it's just so fabulous and it makes you remember what a wondrous thing nature is and how it's always going to surprise us no matter what and how important it is to get out there and explore and see what the world has to offer. Well, I have to say, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes out between your journeys to, to have a conversation with me. Today, I've had the pleasure of having a chat with Glenn Hausman. He's the publisher, NoVacancyNews.com, and he is also the president of Rouse Media. Glenn, thanks so much. I really do appreciate it. And of course, I wish you safe travels. Hey, thank you so much. And be sure, I got a brand new podcast coming out um, with uh, Anthony Melcuri. He's a Travel Channel personality. It's called Checking In with Anthony and Glenn. You're going to love that show because it's all about travel, personal empowerment, career empowerment, and just being an awesome human being. Thanks, Glenn. I really appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.